so I saw so we were lucky enough here in Singapore that uh, we're actually allowed to play and yeah. we got the Mortal Kombat movie like three weeks early or two weeks early mm. or something like that it was at the 8th here it's not to like the 24th or 23rd or 24th the rest of the world uh, there's a couple of select countries where they're like yeah grand because I think it's just going to HBO Max or whatever it is yeah, yeah. Um, from the 24th or whatever uh, numbers numbers date 23rd because it's a Friday right um, yeah, yeah. and I loved it but I am a, admittedly a very big Mortal Kombat fan yeah, I, I watched the trailer and it looks really cool. But I was comparing it not to the original Mortal Kombat movie, but to that Mortal Kombat trailer that came out years ago with your the, one from the nine Seven minutes. and Nine in it. Yeah, 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 with Trisha yeah. Helfer and yeah. Um Trisha Helfer that was great. and Michael J. White and a few others. So I think that was basically what started the whole kickstarted the whole conversation. Um yeah. inside Warner Brother. Because Warner Brother own um Actually, yeah, I think Warner owned NetherRealm at this point. Right. At that, at that point, they might not have, but they had a, like an established working. Um, I'll check it now. Uh, they did have like at least a working thing with them. Oh no, yeah, no, they are no, they are owned by Warner. Um, that would have been back in like two thousand. Yeah, that makes sense. I've, I've two thousand nine, two thousand ten. Because they were part of Midway. I was going to say, I've definitely seen Sub-Zero fight the Joker. I don't know what game that was. but That's Injustice. That's yeah. made by the same guys who make Mortal Kombat. So they, right, there's, right. they make the... There's the Injustice Gods Among Us and Injustice 2, which are essentially the game version of the Injustice comic run. So Injustice comic run is like a uh, right, right. five-year, six-year run that was done, and it's like an alternate Earth, and it's, it's almost like a what-if scenario, but extrapolated out in a huge way. Nice. And yeah. um yeah, the like so they do those as well. So and like the, the combat is just known to be um it's known to be quite good. Uh like they have they have polished it to a game like I remember to like someone asked me before, you know, like when I first got into game dev people were like, oh where, where's the what are like the dream studios you'd work in? And like yeah, yeah. my two studios that I respect the most, I would never want to work there because I don't think I could contribute anything. <laughs> and that's and that's id software. Yeah. And NetherRealm. Because yep. the guys in id who are making Doom Eternal were the guys, some of the guys who were working on the original Doom. Yeah. And have, and they're still there. And Ed Boone, who is like <laughs> one of the two guys, him and John Tobias were the two guys who created Mortal Kombat, and he's still there. And he's still the lead fight designer. And I'm like, how the fuck am I meant to walk into a room and tell Ed Boone, ah, I thought of something you haven't. I love the idea that you're walking into like this beautiful, ancient Rube Goldberg machine, all the clockworks moving, do, 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 do. And you're like, now to insert myself. This is perfect. Yeah, it, it's like, it's, and like, <laughs> like there's NetherRealm are in Chicago. Yeah. The only sport I give a thundering fuck about is basketball. And I followed the Chicago Bulls since I was like eight. <laughs> <laughs> they're meant to be like eight or nine blocks from the fucking the the watch collar from the stadium like i could literally walk from the office to catch a game and i was like i still wouldn't do it i'm like no i should not be here like that is just and, and that's not even that is not even a um that's not even like imposter syndrome i just like how do you have the audacity to yeah. walk into somewhere like it's one thing i think it's a i think that must be a great studio if you are like a junior or an intermediary designer and you're trying to learn yeah 
because you want to train under these veterans of the thing, right? But I'm like, I'm in the industry more than like, I think I'm about 10 years now, maybe a bit more collectively across all my time. I did break in the middle of college, but like, <laughs> I'm like, how do you walk in there and be like, ah, oh, yeah, no, no, no. I got this boys. I got yes. this. Like, it, it, let me see. What about a bigger fucking gun and a get out of here? <laughs> you <monster>. Yeah. <laughs> like, the, like, yeah. The, I don't know. But anyway, actually, the sort of, Mick Gordon has a whole great bit about that, like about being told he want, he's going to be doing the music for a new Doom game and like going to cry in the shower. Be like, what can I possibly, <laughs> what can I yeah, possibly yeah. bring to this? I think part of that was because they initially told him not to use uh, guitars, no guitars music. Yeah. <laughs> it has to be, um, what, what was the brief? It has to be instantly recognizable to a generation of existing fans. It has to be this, this, and this. And at the very end, no guitars. <laughs> it's just, what's yeah. wrong with you? To be fair, he used a chainsaw instead in one of yeah. the songs. He literally like modulated and pitch shifted the tone of a chainsaw to make it <laughs> the effects. But anyway, but yeah, the, the Mortal Kombat film, um, it might be out in your, whoever's listening, it might be out in your country now. And so it's a computer game adaptation. Yep. And there becomes a level of trepidation i suppose i was gonna say there's only two categories of of video game movie which was oh, that was all right and that was the worst dog shit i've ever seen this has to be a ploy by the filmmakers to launder money like that's the only two categories and the top ones are like resident evil silent hill and the mortal kombat movies are like that was quite good like genuinely really enjoyable i walked away from that happy and then the other yeah. ones are why the fuck does Uwe Bowles keep doing this to me? What's wrong with the movie? I, I found out why that is. He figured he found out a loophole that as long as the budget was under a certain amount, um, because he was in a class as an indie film developer, his grant came back as being more than what he'd pay into the film. <laughs> oh, yeah, so he's fact, purely to exclude exploit a loophole. That's the only and, reason he made those films. And all the people he employs are like not quite his friends, but there's a lot of things of him kind of laundering money and like the people he's paying it's like it's the same people every time so he basically yeah. says i'll give you all the money you guys are all cool we're all friends and then i'll just get all the money back and everyone's like cool yeah fine the moral film. i went in like i said a certain amount of trepidation i don't know if this is going to be good i was like from what i'd seen in the trailer i was like it looks very faithful in its visuals hmm. um not so, not so much for the likes of Liu kang or for um sonya blade like the more kind of just not not to be i'm not being bad about the base looking humans yeah yeah and that they're just a person wearing a white shirt and some baggy trousers or you know you know what i mean like it's like yeah the ones that if like they don't have, if they don't have they're not as iconic like they exactly jacks is a jacks is a visual landmark character where you look at it and everybody knows if they've ever seen mortal kombat and they've ever seen jacks you see any version any interpretation like oh that's jacks yeah, they yeah. know straight away same for Scorpion, same for Sub-Zero. And like, if you go back and look at the costumes in the original ones, it, in the original films, it worked because they were matching the, the games, like one and two. But yeah. if you look at the costumes for Sub-Zero, for Scorpion, in the recent three games, they're massively more detailed. They look like they look like they're you like utilitarian to a degree. Like there's like yeah, yeah. that's not a fancy bit of gold sash. It's like that's fucking brass armor plating down the front of a suit or something. You know, like it's it's meant to be like it's a bit more practical, but at the same time still looking badass. And um, like their costumes are really well done. 
uh, Goro looks good. That's everything. It's actually great that on the first read you scan across and go, those are the color-coded ninjas. And on the Mm. second read you're like, oh, and they've all got their own, like, one guy's got steam coming off him because he's icy. One guy's, you've got the mask because, like, that's, you know, flames are going to erupt from it. And then the third read, it's like, this is their personality. This isn't just, like, their power. That's, this is a compartment for hidden blades. This is this for this. This is great. It's a nice way of doing it. So, like, so there's... Uh, that was more kind of a concern and then the likes of cabal who you only catch a brief glimpse of in the trailer at a distance he's one of my favorite characters though um and like then i saw like little clips in like since then since the trailer where it was showing off his full armor and it looks really fucking good like it's spot on and i was like that type of stuff is awesome Hmm. um and then the the watch got the like I was like okay so I know the visuals are going to be good and then they show a little bit of Scorpion fighting and then Scor- fighting a lot of randos when he's still hands on Hisashi and then they show a bit of him fighting Sub Zero in like in the trailer yeah and Sub Zero does that amazing bit where he like splits him open and yeah. like the blood splatters up and he just like freezes it midair into a dagger and stabs him with it again and it's just like well that's fantastic like did that, yeah. that 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 straight away choreography I'm not worried about anymore but I was like. The story and the big problem I was going to have with the story was there's no Johnny Cage, right? right. And Johnny Cage is normally the, the the comic relief in the story stuff. So for anyone who's, who like might have played Mortal Kombat back in the day but hasn't played the recent trilogy, as in nine, ten, and eleven, and they still keep the numbering, but they basically rebooted everything. And nine is like the story's told from scratch, right? And nine, ten, and eleven has nearly like nine hours of cutscenes in it. And like you get cutscenes between every fight in the campaign, it's basically telling you a full story, and it introduces the whole characters. Like, like mm. it's it's not just like random dudes beat the shit out of each other. There's a, like the full interlocking mythology is all covered, and it's done quite well. And you're like, this is awesome. Like, they, you know, they they've done that. But Johnny's always there to be comic relief throughout. And that's that's fairly standard in even kung fu movies that there's the main. A protagonist who's very disciplined and a little bit quiet and you see everything from their point of view then there's always the you know larger than life comedy character and then there's all the the henchmen and the, the every bad guy who's got a shtick that you have to defeat on the way yeah so he so the, the, I was like he's not there and I'm like if if he's not there where is that going to come from? Jack's mm. always had a little bit of the kind of sly, you know, uh, humor as well, but his was more just kind of like that's how he strut, and it's like that's fine. Yeah, yeah. Um, but then there's this new character, uh, Cole Young, and I'm like, is he going to be the Johnny stand-in? Because it's one thing to bring in a character who's who's not known, but everybody else in the front, everyone else who appears on screen, you're like, I know who that is. Yeah, yeah. And except for this one fucker, and you're like, um, the, you're like, okay, well, let's see what happens. But it's like, no, 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 that's not him. He's not going to be the comedy guy as well. Because it's like bringing in a new character and making him be the funny guy is just going to be grating. You know what I mean? Like when they're yeah, yeah. Tra- clearly showing off in the trailer that it's his story. Yeah, it's your, this, it's is your, like, this is your scrappy do or something. It's like, hey, look at this cool. Yeah, it's like. That's one thing like, like that, like I said, like when it's Johnny who's obnoxious, but it actually fits his character because he's like the big Hollywood star and he's, you know, like, yeah, I'm famous, baby. Like, you're like, okay, yeah, that's fine. But he's not there. And I was like, I was kind of worried. And um, so we went in and sat down. I had my, I was like, oh, let's see how this goes. Film starts and then you, 
that opening scene with Hanzo Hasashi and the the load, like when he's before he's Scorpion and the load of dudes, and that goes on for like five or ten minutes, and it's fucking fantastic. The fighting is just top tier, and I was like, this is brilliant. You've set up everything, and you made me interested. And then it goes to like, okay, we're gonna the next cuts to your man Cole, and there's like he's the new guy, and he's not trying to be funny. He's I don't want to give away too much, but he's essentially like a used to be a big fighter and he's kind of his glory days are behind him and he's just fighting in like in his local MMA club for money. Like when they're like, yeah, yeah. we need a guy to come in and this type of thing. And um, there's ba- he's basically attacked by the forces of, uh, of what do you call you it? Of Outworld. Oh, yeah, right. no, of Outworld. Outworld, Outworld are like, because they're coming up, it's the traditional story. They're coming up on the 10th straight victory. And if Outworld win the 10 in a row, then they gain control of Earth. Um, and it's like, you know, so there's a whole like thing. And basically, Jax rocks up and saves him, saves Cole and his family. And it does something that I wish they did in more films, right? Cole has seen, has meets Jax before this, and Jax comes up and he's quite friendly and chatty and runs, and runs like, cool, yeah. Not, you know, not really limited to talk, but you're, you're a nice guy, nice, Grant. And then, the, the, like, the, him and his family are attacked, and their lives are endangered by something fucking bonkers. Yeah. Like, something that a normal person would be like, what on earth is this shit? And then Jax pulls up in the Jeep, he's like, get the fuck in, let's get out of here, right? Like, come with me if you want to live type of job. Yeah. And he gets in, and they drive for a bit, and he's like, what was that? And it's like, oh, it's such and such. Look, I'll protect you. You go on ahead. I need you to go to this place and find Sonya Blade. Yeah. And then the, the moment happened where I went, hey, actually, they're, they're thinking about this. The character of Cole doesn't go, wait, how do I know I can trust you? Like, that happens in every other fucking film and something like this. He just went, okay, I trust you. Because the guy's half in shock. Yeah. And, like, a military guy just rocked up and saved his life from this fucking bizarre situation. Yeah, yeah, and he's yeah. like, I think I will do what you say. Yes, yeah, that sounds like a good plan. And he just goes. And I'm like, okay, okay, this is good. Yeah. But, oh, yeah. It's the, it's the opposite of that, like, uh, they meet each other as, like, Joe Blade, you son of a bitch. And they do lock arms. If I yeah. swore if I ever see you again, I'd kick your ass and then kiss you. And just all this bullshit the, bravado. And you're like, no, no, that's scary. I'm scared. Let's go. Yeah, yeah. And it's like, you can see he's kind of just dazed. And he's like, okay. And like, there's a there's a very brief interaction with him and Jax where Jax explains, look, you are like, you have been selected. The the birthmark that you see in the trailer, it's like, this means that, that like, they're coming for you. You are, you are a marked man. And it's like, go there, meet with Sonya. And he's, okay. And then, you know, Grant, when he he gets to Sonya, she's like, okay, I'm going to show you, you know, and he brings her into this place and there's the, like, the crazy wall. All it's missing is the red string connecting all the pictures. But, like, there's pictures of him on it, there's pictures of other people on it and stuff like that. And she's going on about it. And he's like, this is the point where he's starting. He's like, hang hang on a minute. What are you talking about? She's like, "It's, it's essentially you're marked because of this and blah, blah, blah. And it's it's an invitation for a thing called Mortal Kombat, and it shows it like a wall somewhere, and it's like spray painted on as the like Mortal Kombat, and he's like, okay, yeah, I was with you till the end. You made that up. I mean, it's even fucking spelled wrong, and it's like, <laughs> I'm like, okay, yeah, like it's that level of like they knew exactly when to not take themselves seriously, yeah, and that's like that's a big deal, I think. Um, it's, but he, it's, he, he watched kind of like it's something that bothers me in the Marvel movies from time to time where they do something really self-referential and I'm like we're only on the second movie stop 
And like, also, you wrote it. Like, it's not making fun of a video game is great because you've got decades of of silliness that you're yeah. trying to make sense of now, but also say we haven't forgotten. Yeah, and it's it's that like that's fine. Then they introduce Kano, and he steals the entire film. <laughs> he is fucking amazing. He is hilarious in every scene he shows up in, and like. It's also the whole thing of like, so he's played by an, an Aussie called Josh Lawson. I haven't really seen him in anything before. I think he's in like Anchorman 2, maybe. Right. Um, but, and it just reminded me of this thing of a fact that, that I remembered about the original one. In the original Mortal Kombat film, he wasn't meant to be Australian. Okay. The actor playing him couldn't do a Cockney accent and it sounded Australian. <laughs> And people liked it so much that they like that Netherrealm basically changed the lore. So he was Australian now. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that's great. But it pays off now, fucking 25 years after the original like film, where this guy comes out and he's like just the, that he is the cocky psycho Aussie guy, and it's brilliant. Like everyone that he meets, he just manages to insult them and piss them off inside of thirty seconds while making the like everyone in the cinema was laughing, and I was like, That's "This great. is perfect." Like when we came out of it, all, I was there with a bunch of the lads from work, and we all turned to each other and I was like, "That was stupid in all the ways that matter," and they were like, "Yes, that's exactly it. That sums it up perfectly. It is a film that is it that it knew it was going to be stupid in some respects because it's a game adaptation, so it picked its own moments to be stupid." Yeah, yeah. And pulled it off. Um, the whole thing is, yeah, like the, all the fights are really well done. The the comedy in it is really well delivered. The story is, it's not much because it's 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 never going to be much. Yeah, yeah. It's you know what I mean. It's just there to facilitate and move the people along. But there's still enough thought put into it, and there's some new twists to it that had never shown up before. That I was like, oh, that's actually pretty interesting. That's a good way of doing it. Um, it is, there's a it there's a, a whole thing in it. It's a very minor spoiler, but basically the mark that your man has, that you see him in the trailer. He pulls his shirt down, and he's got the he's got the Mortal Kombat logo yeah. as a birthmark. And he's told that it's like you're not the only one with that. There's other people who have it, and that means they have been flagged to be in the next tournament. But if they're killed, the person who kills them gets the mark, right? And that's why it shows up in Kano's got the mark, and she's like. He, uh, Sonya's like got him chained up, and she's like, "I um, I was meant to meet up with one of the other guys who had the mark. But when I arrived there, he'd already slit his throat." And Kane was like, "Well, I'll teach you to be fucking punctual." And I was just like, <laughs> "Like, it's a great line, but it's a really good way of, you know, that's actually incorporating the logo into the film and making it make sense. Yeah. And it, it, you know, just it works really, really well. And they basically have turned them all into X Men." Yeah, it's going to sound mean, weird, right? So this whole thing is that everybody has an arcana. Anybody who right. has the champion's mark has an arcana. Well, no, everybody has the arcana, but you can only activate it if you have the champion's mark. And something will cause it to activate, and when it activates, you will gain your power. Right. For Kano, it's the eye laser. Right. For Sonya, it's the energy rings. For Liu Kang, it's the fireball. That type of thing. Yeah. So I'm like, it's kind of like in the X-Men where it's like, yeah, yeah, when you hit Purine and a stressful event happens, suddenly your power manifests. It's that type of deal. Um, but yeah, it's like, it's it's very well done. Um, 
Like it's not, it's not gonna win Oscars. It might for like I don't know if they still do them for like fight choreography and stuff like that. Um, but it, it, it's it's very well done. It's comedy is very well written. So, and yeah. if you're a fan of this franchise, I think you'll dig it a lot because it's like it hits all the buttons and there's so many little references that they're used in ways that like there's a thing that one of the characters interacts with at some point. And if you have no idea what it is, as a viewer, you'll just be like, okay, that fits their character. And then something is like, and then it's referenced and they're like, okay, cool, fine. But if you do know what it is, you're like, that's the thing from one of the other games. Like it's straight up like referencing another character in another game. And it's just little, little shit like that. It's not just like fucking Chekhov's reference hanging in the background. It's, yeah, it's yeah. all woven in through it and, and like, it all makes sense when somebody interacts with it and stuff like that. So it's not like the doom movie where they're like, we'll do whatever I want, we want, but then we'll randomly throw in a first person scene that'll give everybody motion sickness. And I'm like, that's not the thing. That, that's not exactly what the game was about. It wasn't about yeah. the first person. I have to say that there's, um, there, it is refreshing and it's, it comes back to the whole, uh, the, what's that the word for it? The representation thing. Yeah. yeah. Um, the fact that like there's two maybe yeah Sonya and Kano are the only two white actors I'm like well that makes sense because they're the only two white characters yeah also you know, the, like don't get me wrong Christopher Lambert as you know the Japanese thunder god Raiden sure <laughs> why not he's a god but like in this I... it's Tadanobu Asano and it's like yeah great like He's a Japanese actor. And like <laughs> when you said Christopher Lambert, I was like, I don't think he's white. I think he's immortal. I think those that's a different race. <laughs> <laughs> but it's um yeah, the the guy who plays um the the guy who plays Raiden is uh yeah, is Tadanobu Sano. Um for any horror fans listening, he is um fuck what's his name again? Um He's Kakahara in Ichi the Killer. Oh, uh, right, right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So it was like, it's the dude. It's, it's that fucking lunatic. Um, it, they've just put an Ichi the Killer slash Joker slash cyberpunk character into Dead by Daylight. And it's a weird tonal shift that works perfectly. They've just got like a, a J-pop killer in there. And he's wearing yeah. this yellow, yellow trench coat and throws neon daggers. Uh, and it's it is such a good call for them to be like ah fuck it we're done we're done with slashes for a while let's do something funny yeah like nearly everyone that they've had they, who they bring in they do like um, there are either people who are experienced in fighting or like it's it's a very like diverse cast in a good mm-hmm. way because it it matches up really well I, I say in a good way it's not in a bad way but it's like it it syncs so well with the origins of the characters and. Yeah. Um, like Joe Talsum, I'm, I'm assuming I'm pronouncing that right, is the guy who plays Sub Zero. But he's like an actor, but he was also on, like, um, I think he's Korean. No, he's Indonesian. And he was on, like, the national judo team in Indonesia for, like, 12 years. The guy's won fucking medals up and down. So it's like, so we have a guy who's got all these, all like, fucking decades of experience in martial arts and is an actor, 
and kind of looks like one of our main fucking get him in there. That's perfect. Yeah, yeah. Only yeah. one that breaks it for me is the guy who plays Shang Tsung. I can't remember his name. He's a Singaporean actor, actually. But he's the guy who's the money laundering fella in The Dark Knight. Oh, right. <laughs> so every time he's on screen, all I can hear is a voice going, I know a squealer when I see one. <laughs> and I'm just like, yeah, that's it's not going to work for me, pal. <laughs> so this is like when they were trying to, they were casting Darth Maul and they had an actor ready to go. And the guy who was uh, his stuntman and the guy who was going to do all the fight scenes was just so amazing at it. That they're like, oh, leave him in the movie. Just make the character mute, and then he can do whatever he wants. Just, well, no, they got Peter Serafinowicz to voice him. It's like, oh, oh yeah, that's right. Of course, yeah, it's a, the rich history of putting cool voices onto guys later who didn't realize they were going to be, <laughs> who didn't realize Star, they were going to be Star Trek staple, a Star Wars staple. You got to do it at least once per trilogy. Yeah, um, but yeah, yeah I, I would recommend it. It's like I said, if you're a fan, don't go in expecting Shakespeare, but you'll get some fantastic fight scenes. You get some great comedy. And the other thing as well is a very, very small amount of the film actually uses CGI. Like, there's some for... Uh, so he really kills him with a, a, a blood knife dagger? That's great. Yeah. Well, no, he survives it. He's just limping. Um, Obviously. The, the, like, the, the, like, yeah, they use some CG for stuff like the... Um, powers. For the likes stuff. of... For, yeah, for the various powers. But other than that, it's pretty much just Goro is CG because... He's eight foot tall and has four arms. He kind of has to. Be. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I I've um, seen shots so yeah. of the the airport fight from the Marvel movie, and it's just a gigantic green warehouse with Scarlett Johansson sprinting up and down. It's like everyone else is CG. She's the only one who needs to be on set. <laughs> like that's terrible. That's absolutely terrible. Uh, yeah, that's that's the other thing I've been watching recently. Go the on. wacky adventures of Bucky and Sam. So I watched One Division recently. Right. And I, I have finished watching Netflix. I've watched absolutely everything. Like genuinely, right. instead of having double features where I watch two movies that are alike, I literally watched Die Hard 3 into the Devil Wears Prada. So I was like, it's the only two I haven't watched. I'm just going to keep watching stuff. Die Hard 3 is great, by the way. It's... Had you not seen it before? No, we've, I've seen it before, but I was watching them all again because I was watching them with an eye for the fact that none, none of the Die Hard movies were intended to be Die Hard movies. Oh, yeah, yeah, that's fair. And I was watching it because it was a completely unique yeah, original script called Simon Says. So the yeah. first half of Die Hard 3, I was watching it going, this is great. Like, I can see it being its own movie. There were even talks of making it a, a lethal weapon for a while, which would have absolutely worked. And then it hits like the halfway point where you realize it's not a terrorist attack, it's a heist. And it just turns into a Die Hard movie. It 100% yeah. starts hitting all the original beats from the original Die Hard. It's the second one that McTiernan did. Is that right? Yes. He, he didn't do two. And no. it just suddenly falls into place and it feels so good. Um, but, like, that's, yeah. And, and they even comment on it. Like, even um, John McClane's like, it's always about the money. It's, <laughs> you know, like, yeah. he's so pissed off at it all. He's like, and he, he even has the, the henchman fight and all that. Like, it just so naturally turns back into a, a diehard movie. And I'm so happy with it. Devil Wars Prada, meh. It's I've that and Shit's Creek are two things I watched where I can't understand why people love it so much, and it's it must be because of the fashion or something like Shit's Creek. People are just walking around wearing cool stuff, and I'm like, I need I still need a story. I still need likable characters. I still need something to happen. And there's the, a load of jokes in the Devil Wears Prada about how 
uh, fat Anne Hathaways compared to models. And I'm like, then don't cast Anne Hathaway. I'm sorry. That's an insane thing to say. He's like, I'm a size six and everyone else here is a size four. And I was like, first of all, you're a size two. And secondly, stop commenting on it. It's weird. Fashion in general is weird. They, just... they don't even take risks in the Devil Wears Prada. Everyone wears black and grey for the entire movie. And I was like, you, like Meryl Streep looks great. But everyone else in the movie just looks meh. I was like, make, take some crazy fucking risks then with your movie. Don't just give me bullshit. But anyway, WandaVision. And really weirdly, I started watching Life on Mars, which is the one, uh, the TV show about a cop from 2011 who gets hit by a car and wakes up in the 1970s and is solving crimes in the 1970s and has to work with the cops there. But at different points in the episode, TVs and radios start speaking to him and he can hear sounds from a hospital and he can hear heart monitors and he can hear his mum talking to him, asking him to wake up. And he slowly realizes he's in a coma. Yeah, it's the driver San Francisco thing. Yeah, 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 yeah. And But then he realizes that the, the, the cases he's solving and the characters he's interacting with is just his, like vision of the 70s from watching the Sweeney and watching loads of stuff so it's completely larger than life and weird uh, and I watched like the first season of it and I honestly it's really good just because they, it's such a have your cake and eat it thing where mm. they can do such stupid bullshit 1970s tropes and stories and having people sliding over bonnets of cars and having like the bent cops who are all on the take but then there's the really bent cops who they're like they they have to go up against and it's just so silly and I'm kind of nodding along on, all right, this is, this is a bit out there, but every single episode, they manage to do something fun with it and then have some real existential horror at one point where you realize, like at one point he hears them discussing whether they're going to turn him off or not because he's not responding. So he has to do something really stressful in the 1970s in the hopes that his body will react in real, the real world, which is, again, really good, I think. Um, yeah, but... I mean, like it's it's an interesting approach to it as well. Like the, ha, you know, having that scenario where, like, normally the whole "oh, you're in a coma" thing would be the reveal. Yeah. But have him be like, okay, so I'm trapped here, but now can I use this to my advantage? Or it, you know, like yeah. it, it's an interesting way to take the thing because stuff like that. Like I was, I was, I'd, I'd seen the name of the show, but I hadn't watched it or anything like that. But what you're describing in a lot of in a lot of mediums that would have been the ending that would have been the end yes. of season one. that would have been that even if it was just a black mirror episode that would have been 10 minutes from the end the realization and then like it would have ended with him being trapped there or something like that yeah uh whereas this one he realizes it early and then about it's it's like that thing of being in a dream you can realize you're in a dream and then convince you like lose that memory or lose that knowledge and there comes a point where he then just starts thinking he's gone insane, but he is from the 70s. And then he, like, at one point is talking to someone and goes, maybe I'm a time traveler. And you're like, oh, he is losing the plot. Like, his his mind is kind of losing it. He was right at the start. And you watching it, like, you've, you've enough information to go, you're definitely in a coma. But he, at one point, is like, well, I'll walk off a building and then I'll just wake up in the real life. And then he convinces himself not to do it because he's like, if I do that and I'm wrong, I'm fucked. So he's like, I just need more information. I need there's there's two mysteries I need to solve here, which is the actual like what like what is actually happening here, plus all of my normal police work. Uh, 
Uh, but anyway, it's just weird that I watched that that has a trope that you don't see that often, which is you start off in one world and then there's a waking up moment, like in Existence, like in The Matrix. There's a bunch of other stuff of like, we've got two planes that we're going to be working in. Um, and then started watching WandaVision. And it was just like, what a weird thing for me to watch these two shows back to back. Um, no, spo no final spoilers for WandaVision, but I really enjoyed it. I enjoyed jumping through like it starts off as a 1950s black and white uh yeah it would be like based on like the dick van dyke show and that kind of thing yeah. all very like oh we're a couple who's moved to a new suburban town and my boss is coming over for dinner uh and real honestly real low stakes stuff but very charming very nice uh and the next episode then is the 1960s uh then 70s, I guess that's like the Brady Bunch and 80s. So the first few episodes are just love letters to different uh, sitcom styles and all family sitcoms, that kind of style. And it works really well because there's clearly a bigger mystery that you as a viewer are supposed to be solving. And you see characters coming in and out. And you're trying to figure out who's who and what's what. Um, I liked it up until it turned back into a Marvel movie. <laughs> it was like, I could have just watched all those that sitcom stuff forever. Yeah, it's a shame. But I mean, like, it's going to be... Again, without spoiling anything for anyone, it is essentially one of going to be the main jumping points for the next phase of Marvel movies. Yeah, I there's also a point where I was watching it and I was like, it's all shot on one set, like they're just redressing it each time. I was like, oh man, I bet they saved a lot of money. And then I looked it up, and it is per episode the most expensive t TV show ever made. Previously, yeah. it was The Pacific for twenty million an episode, and this yeah. one is twenty five million an episode. <laughs> Marvel, what did you do? Where are you spending this money? Um, but, but you're saying that's uh, supposed uh, to be a jumping off point. So it was yeah. supposed to come out after uh, Winter Soldier and Falcon. Is that right? Well, so, Winter Soldier and Falcon are set um, six months after Endgame. Right. So chronologically, it does take place after it. Right. Right. I think they were uh, supposed to come out different. So tell me about Winter Soldier and Falcons. I haven't seen that. So we're only four episodes in. Right. I think it was going to be six or eight. I think it was either, it might be six. It might have originally meant to be eight and then was trimmed, mostly because there's a massive subplot that has been cut. Right. Because there was a massive subplot that there was. Is it a, about a virus? Yes. <laughs> oh, really? There's oh, no. constant references through the thing to vaccines people stealing vaccines people uh sitting on stockpiles of vaccines i have been vaccinated blah 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 blah, blah. Yeah, yeah, yeah um it's yeah it's 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 pretty much the first thing that happens after endgame to the to a degree um and yeah it's considered part of phase four um and it's interesting as well. Like I'm, I'm very interested in it more so than one division, um, partially because one division, I had no doubt it was going to be good. Yeah, I had no doubt that um, the pair of them could carry a series together, and could be interesting because their whole romance for okay so for anyone who knew the history of the comics as soon as you see the first interaction in the films between wanda and vision you go oh so they're going to hook up in this too 
right? Because that was something that happened in the comics. There was a whole big run of it. And straight up even to the whole, like, them having a suburban life yeah, and yeah. all this type of thing. So it's like, cool. It's, we, so, they, so they are doing that. Awesome. Let's see uh, what version of it they do. We've talked about this before, that the, the comic books have such a rich history that we should be seeing other stories. So it's like... We want we want a Batman story where it's not about Batman. It's about kids and gangs talking yeah. about what they think Batman is, and you know, trying to trying to emulate him or being a fear, fearful of him, or doing the war story in a world yeah. where there are Batman villains. This felt really nice. This felt like I don't want. I'm not watching a Marvel movie, but I'm watching something that acknowledges that everything in the Marvel universe has happened, and it's just yes. like an elsewhere story that they managed to fold back in. Um. The one of the things as well about the how they've been doing it in Marvel, in the Marvel Cinematic Universe as a whole, is that they are using titles and premises that set that will be familiar to all the readers, mm. and then they go completely different with them. Civil War was like starts off with a bunch of like C-list superheroes fighting a bunch of Cetus supervillains, but one of them has been given a drug that makes him overpowered, Nitro. And he ends up blowing up a skill and killing hundreds of kids. And mm. this leads to the equivalent of the Sokovia Accords, which is in Civil War, where they're like, we need to regulate this. But you will now work for the government. If you're a superhero, you work for the government. You get insurance. You get medical. You get time off. You have set shifts that you work. And other than that, and like that's why, um, like one of the first people who signs up in Civil War in the in the comic was Spider-Man, because mm. he's like, I can take time off. I can, I, I am, I am secure now. And you know, it's a kind of a whole weird thing. And Cap is in the middle because Cap is just like, no, you, this is a bad thing. This is, this is the, our, the whole point of heroes is that we should not be answerable to, you know, corrupt systems. And he basically has a standoff with the president and the president's like, you work for me. And he's standing in the Oval Office and he turns around and he points at the flag. He's like, no, I work for that. I don't care who you are. And like just little things like that. But they took it a completely different direction, obviously, with the film. But it still had some beats that were the same. Hmm. The Accords, all this type of thing. Same for Infinity War and Endgame. Yeah. The original Infinity War was like, um, Thanos wanted to wipe out half the life in the galaxy because he was in love with the Marvel personification of death. And he was trying to do it as a gift to her because he was just the mad titan. Whereas with the films, they like, did a whole different spin on it and they made him they made him a character that when, he, when he's a bad guy, you're like, oh, I get where he's coming from. This is really frustrating. <laughs> you know? Um, that, 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 that meme of the guy pouring the drink and just like... Mm. It was like when the, when the villain is speaking when he's low-key making a lot of sense. But like, that's the thing. Everyone was like, that's why he's a great villain. And it's the same thing that happened in Black Panther where they're like, um, with Killmonger, you're like, he is a villain that you can identify with. He's a villain who you have, you're like, yeah, okay, he's being a dick about this, but I don't think he's doing anything. I understand why he's doing what he's doing. I yeah. 100% understand what he's doing, particularly with Killmonger. Um, but you, you've got all the, you know, they have taken enough of a spin, and they've taken a spin with. I knew that they were going to do something different with One Division. Um, for the thing with Falcon and Winter Soldier, I was going to call it Sam and Bucky because it's faster. Yeah, yeah. Sam and Bucky, they're two characters who both have been Captain America at some point in the comics. Yes. So, but so is John Walker, who is 
the Captain America in the series. Uh, I, I, so I don't know anything about it. He's a bad guy, right? Like the smile he does when he comes out to the press conference. I'm like, that's there. He's going to be a prick. So he's like a decorated Marine. I think he's done like three or four tours. He's got a bunch of medals. He's like revered amongst his company. He's actually just, he's also not superhuman. He's just a regular dude who's trying to be, he was picked because it's like, you are the exemplar of what a member of the military is. Right, right, right. You have you know, ridiculously high success on your missions, ridiculous aptitude. Everybody likes you. You're an average person in all other regards outside of your military service. And you're not a, like advanced in any way. You should be the person who is who is uh, who stands in. That makes but, him slightly harder to hate, but still, I manage it somehow. <laughs> but there's, but I was like, so we have three characters who in the comics have all been Captain America at some point, and it's there's the whole thing about like there's a whole story. So like this isn't really spoilers. In the very opening of this first episode. It's Sam with the shield that was given to him at the end of Endgame and being like, I don't think I'm worthy to hold this. I don't think anyone is. Steve was a one in a billion. I don't think anyone else can do this. And he's donating it to the Smithsonian. And then they find out that now the army's taking it back and they're giving it to someone else. And it's them. It's more kind of like, so Sam and Bucky are dealing with a whole different threat called the Flag Smashers, which is, again, something established in the comics. Um, but it's twisted they've taken a different spin on it for this yep. when there was the blip which is when half the population disappeared for five years governments kind of, and borders kind of dissolved because countries were like we don't have people to run our infrastructure so people were just like there was like free movement across nearly all the borders that's basically how it's presented and then when everyone come, came back people tried to reinforce what was there five years before and a lot of people didn't want it yeah. and that's what the flag smashes are about they're like Fuck you. And there's a whole thing. There's references several times in the first few episodes where they're stealing vaccines to help people in camps. And they've ADR'd certain parts where they just reference like tuberculosis because it's common in those conditions. They're not talking about the specific virus that showed up. Right, right, Um, right. And it was meant to be more episodes, apparently. But then it's they were just like, okay, let's cut that out. Let's pare it down. So it'll be like uh, it'd be about five hours total when it's done. is it streaming? Like it's all on Disney Plus, right? Yeah, one episode so a week that, every Friday. I've I've noticed with a lot of that streaming stuff, they can be between like twenty and thirty minutes. Where if they take stuff out and they're like, oh, we don't have to edit it back to like play on TV, we'll figure it. Like it's fine. Mm-hmm. They did that with some of the One Division episodes, where just they were inconsistent lengths, and I was like, good, tell the best story you can it's in whatever just, it's time. As long as it needs to be, which is yeah, yeah, it's the right attitude. But the the show is like. The thing that I was worried about was like when I was worried, I was I was curious if they could pull it off. Despite Sam and Bucky both having long-established comic runs, and realistically have been in the between them, I think they've been in like eight or ten films, something like that. Because like like Bucky, Sebastian Stan, he's in the the three Captain America films. Uh, Infinity War, Endgame, and I think he's in Black Panther. Eight or ten. He's in Black Panther as well. He's like six or seven. Just and then Anthony Mackie is in Winter Soldier. He's in uh, Civil War. He shows up in other stuff again. Infinity War, uh, Endgame, that type of thing. 
But throughout all of that, they have never had their own bad guys. Yeah, yeah. It's always been they're fighting whoever Cap is fighting. So I'm like, okay, but can you present me with a threat in a storytelling capacity so, that actually makes it interesting to watch them go up against it? But the Flag Smashers have to be a, a Captain America villain. Like that, just by their name, that has to be a we are taking down the flag. So it's still a Captain America villain rather than their own villains. Um, the, the, they're basically, um, I, I've seen the trailer. So they're the guys with the, it, the they masks. look like Urukai. They've got the mask, but it looks like a red handprint on it. Are they superpowered or are they just, or is it hinted at that they're just normal humans? Um, do you want me to spoil? Like, that's the thing. It's essentially that they have something weird about them okay and you discover what that is as you watch through um the original flag smasher was like he was like an anti-nationalist fuckwit yeah i i appreciate like they took the name and completely reworked it like it's it bears nearly no resemblance other than the name flag smasher was a character it was two different characters and one of them was a character called carl morgantel and the leader of the flag smashers in the series is carly morgantel other than that, pretty much no fucking relation at all. Um, the uh, I, I appreciate when they take old Golden Age comic book stuff and have to update it. So they're like, well, we're not going to put Calendar Man into our new Batman game, but maybe we'll put a guy in a cell and he's covered the walls in dates and calendars and is clearly insane. Yeah. And that can be Calendar Man. Like, they have to find some way to make it work. So we're not going to put literally a guy called Flag Smasher in, but that could sound like a group of... Yeah, and like, there's... there's um, what makes it watchable, and I'm really enjoying it, which, which, what makes it watchable is Sam and Bucky are one of the best dysfunctional couples I've ever seen on TV. <laughs> You're waiting for them to kiss any minute. Bucky um, and Sam. Bucky uh, and like, Sam. <laughs> but like, it's, it's like the level of comedy that they have, and they both carry it really well. There's no one person clearly like you know, they're the comedic driving force and the other person's just like the other partner on screen. They both have moments where they excel. They both have moments where they're actually like their dramatic stuff is really well done. Like people don't a lot of people don't realize Anthony Mackie, the guy who plays Sam, is a classically trained Shakespearean actor. Oh really? I yeah. didn't know that. Yeah. I, I think it was even his name threw me. I was like, nah, nobody called Mackie is playing fucking Hamlet. Yeah, and it, but like uh, and like, so he has some great moments where he's like doing the whole, like his proper serious, you know, and um, thing. Cause he's got that, he's in that weird space where he is an Avenger and he yep. is, um, he's military and stuff like this. So he doesn't really answer to yeah. anyone, but he kind of does, but he doesn't. There's all that type of stuff. Then you've Bucky, Sebastian Sands character, and like he's trying to deal with all the shit from when he was the Winter Soldier. Yeah. And when people could mind control him to do whatever the fuck they wanted. He's also trying to deal with the fact that he's living in the present day. Yeah, yeah, of course. And he's just kind of, you know, like there's a point where he, he at, like at the very start of one of them, he's like, he's there for somewhere. It's like, uh, he makes a reference to something and somebody goes, how old are you? And he's like, 107. And they start laughing. And he's like, huh, huh. just takes a drink. <laughs> <laughs> that, it sounds like, it sounds like you get some good mid-season supernatural style banter. Where like it's the guys are close so they can chat, but you you can also do the Castiel jokes of like this guy's not from here, so kind of. But it's like they're close, but like 
there is a there's a mutual respect there between the pair of them but there's a lot of animosity there's a yeah. lot of them not liking each other and then the kind of the big thing is Daniel Brühl, the guy who played or Brühl, I don't know if you pronounce his name. He played Baron Zemo in Civil War, hmm. and he shows up again, and he's just allowed to have more fun with his character, and he's just incredibly watchable. Um, there's a, like there's a lot of people who show up from the films, um, and a lot of the times it's just for like a scene or two scenes, but it doesn't feel like a contrived cameo. If it makes yeah. sense because you've seen the films, you've seen them interact with these people before. And like the story will logically necessi- necessitate that somebody with that knowledge shows up. And I, don't, I can't really say anything else because I'm going to start spoiling shit like in a big way, but it's, just, it's interesting. And it's, yeah, it's yeah. just, it's, it's a very well put together thing. Um, and this might turn out to be more expensive because I think they're limited at six episodes. They might be eight. If they're eight, um, bu- 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 because they had to cut so much, this will end up as more expensive because it'll be less episodes. Yeah, its budget was like 150 million. So if yeah. it ends up being six episodes, that's 30 million an episode. <laughs> <laughs> um, I do, I do like when they let the characters have a little bit of fun. And there's a bit in WandaVision where, so the idea is that people start picking up these odd broadcasts, and they are seeing into. They, they start see, literally being able to watch these sitcoms that are being broadcast from this weird event, this big barrier that has shown up in a field or in, around a town somewhere. Uh, and people start, the, the government and people and all these different alphabet soup organizations start watching it to try and figure out what's going on. Uh, and Jimmy Woo, who is in loads of the other Marvel movies, uh, shows up and you see him there trying to figure everything out. And there's a bit at one point uh, where Vision goes a little bit screwy and is trying to do an act, is trying to do a magic act as part of a little sitcom bit. And he keeps saying the stuff he's supposed to be doing rather than just doing it. So he goes, flourish. <laughs> and she's like, stop saying flourish, just do the flourish. And he's like, ah, blah, blah. and there's a bit in one of the later episodes where Jimmy Woo gets out of a set of handcuffs and he just holds them up and goes, flourish. <laughs> and just drops them and runs off. And it just, it's such a nice character moment because it also proves how much he's been watching the TV shows and enjoying them that he's picked up on all the little in jokes and he can't help himself. You know, when in Rome, <laughs> you yeah. gotta make do. But just clink, flourish, and I'm out. <laughs> the, um, yeah, like the, the, there's like, and again, like, I think if you, if you've watched any of the Captain America films before this, Specifically Captain America, like the, the Avengers stuff is fine, whatever. Um, I still maintain Winter Soldier, the film, is just hands down one of the best films of the last 30 years, Marvel or not. It's, it is like, it perfectly captures the whole 70s paranoia spy thriller while also having great action, great comedy, and just, you know, a really good are story. They, are they doing a Black Widow movie that's like that back in the 70s or something? It's not back in the 70s, be... but it's set like a few years before Endgame. Um, but like if you've been following the the Captain America stuff I would recommend watching this mostly because like Falcon and Bucky or Sam and Bucky are, are, are two that have been all the way through like, they've always been tied with Captain America just in the films as well as you know them showing up in the Avengers but hmm. there's payoffs in this 
that like there's moments where you're like that's something i never thought i'd see or that mm-hmm. like that was a phenomenal piece of acting the particularly like everyone at the moment who's seen it is ranting about the latest season the latest episode episode four which shot on friday mostly because of the final scene of the episode but also the opening scene of the episode the person who's acting in it deserves an emmy or all the awards um but yeah so like if you've if if winter soldier if civil war if any of them if you watch them and you like them and you thought they were interesting this is has a lot of payoff but it because it's in a tv series it has that little bit more time to pace itself to build on the interactions with the characters and how they're all dealing with the whole what happened in the end game and all this type of thing and also just adjusting to normal life and stuff like that yeah so yeah it's a uh, really it's i'm really impressed with shows like this just doing the six or eight episodes or whatever they need to do to actually tell the story because like some um what was another tv show like like westworld season one of westworld where they had all this cool mind-bending stuff it was all great and there was a couple of just random filler episodes in there where it's like oh this this dude's going on a spiritual journey just walking across the park and you're like yeah. I mean, you were kind of like, left me on a cliffhanger dude it's like did you really need to bother with that episode yeah i'm just yeah i'm a big fan of something is as long as it needs to be and we don't need to pad it and that's why I, I do like these streaming services. A lot of people are joking. I mean, I'm just getting like subscription to death because I've just subscribed to seven different things. And it's like, or, you know, subscribe to one for three months, watch everything and then switch. That's also a way you can yeah. do it. Honestly, I, there's ones where I've got the seven day free trial. And like, I, instead of saying, well, I'll sign up for the entire year, literally that for a month. I did that with Shudder and got loads of horror movies and did it all for October and like watched loads of stuff and kept it going up till Christmas and then dropped it. And then jumped onto World of Wonder, which is the RuPaul <laughs> uh, okay. entire channel, and watched all of RuPaul UK and Canada, and then dropped that one, and now onto Disney Plus. So you can just keep keep a rolling thing going. I've got Netflix Prime, and then a third one, uh, a third one on the roster, which it's is TV Prime at is, any given time. Prime to me doesn't feel like it because I I want Amazon Prime for deliveries, and I use Twitch Prime for Twitch, so it's all in one. So I'm like, that's a I could lose Prime now that because Amazon are having such problems with Brexit and they're putting tax and import fees and everything on top of everything. I haven't bought anything on Amazon in a while. We could actually just drop that at this stage. That's interesting. Yeah. Like for me, like there's an Amazon Singapore. So, I mean, yeah. Like for, and a lot of the times it's like, obviously, if I can find somewhere local to buy shit, I'd rather do that. Um, But there is some stuff where it's just like, I just have to find it online because I'd go to these stores and they're like, it's going to take us three or four weeks because it's coming from the far side of the world and COVID has fucked shit up or Brexit or whatever. And it's like, it's going to take too long. And I'm like, all right, well, I'll just grab it online then. Um, I I saw somebody who was setting up a a thing where it's basically a shop front for a city. So it, it feels like Amazon, you use it like Amazon, but say it's Seattle and it's just basically everyone who wants to signs up for this. We make one common shop front. And then when you go to buy it, it tells you what stores you will ship it from. And it's like, you're buying, like there's no warehouses it's just like you're buying it means things ship over less distance it means you're looking after local businesses and i'm like while amazon is functionally hamstrung in ireland if someone could put that together and just do an ireland-wide shop front that you go in and go i want to buy i don't know whatever it is like even if it's literally just groceries or something like that just go in and purchase it and be like okay you are getting from these stores this is going to be your shipping and like 
organize some way of making the shipping work. It would be so handy because everything comes from the UK. Everything has to literally ship worldwide. If they could get a little Deliveroo style service that goes around and does all the delivery, that would be absolutely fantastic. The, the one I've noticed is uh, Warhammer stuff, Games Workshop. Hmm. I am completely unaffected by Brexit because they've always had the processes in place to ship to my part of the world um, and dealing with the tax zones and everything else. Yeah. But my friends who are in Dublin, when they order something, <laughs> if I yeah, order yeah, something yeah. the same time as the lads, I'll get it three to six weeks before they do. That's mental. Oh, I, I bought stuff in the January sales and I literally just got the last package this week. Like, it's absolutely mad. Absolute madness. Yeah, it's um, proper fucked. Yeah. Um, have you been playing anything interesting? Uh, mostly Minecraft, because we started on our Crafty Peak server. Uh, and we've been doing this for a little while. And a friend of the show, Brian Lelis, is the one who set up the server and has been setting us challenges and stuff in it. Uh, I'm now convinced that he just did this to basically build a little wonderland for his kids who are now jumping into the game and doing stuff. Uh, but we we built, uh, built loads of stuff and I, immediately the first thing I did was try to break the iron economy and just built an iron farm. So I've got a little platform where iron golems spawn and then drop into lava and I steal their iron and then trade the iron to villagers and get loads of emeralds. So basically the whole, I've got an island that just breaks the economy and I can do whatever I want in the game now. Uh, then Leela said, all right, we'll have a big, exciting thing where we all build a wonder of the world. So I was like, cool, I'll build the Colossus of Rhodes. Someone else is building the Temple of Artemis. Someone else is building the Colosseum, which I don't think was one of the original ancient wonders, but we'll let him have it. Someone else built the Hanging Gardens of Babylon. Uh, and they're massive and they're huge and they're ridiculous. But my Colossus of Rhodes is a giant iron golem. <laughs> I built him because it's basically... <laughs> my my reparations and guilt for having killed hundreds <laughs> if not thousands of iron golems at this point so he is this grim totem that towers over the the main street and reminds us all that we are reaping the benefits of the dead iron golems <laughs> uh, so that's i had to take it to a dark place i my my the thing i'm doing at the moment is reenacting movies in it so i've discovered i can like just swap assets so instead of putting on a leather helmet, my character now puts on sunglasses and gets the benefit of a leather helmet. And that means I'm functionally uh, trying to do all these scenes from the movie They Live, where I'm running through an area, then changing loads of things and going back and running through it again with sunglasses on. And I'm going to cut it all together and try to do a little 30 seconds They Live movie. Yeah. But uh, I, I need to find someone... Because the 12-year-olds that watch Minecraft content on YouTube... <laughs> Famous for their knowledge of Rowdy Rowdy Piper films. Speaking, speaking of fights and movies, I watched the, the six-minute brawl from that movie again, and now I need to reenact that in, in Minecraft, so I need someone to just go into a little fist fight with me and re-record it for like five minutes, and I can intercut it constantly throughout 30 seconds to show how long the fight's going. Um, that's me. I'm, I'm, Minecraft is fun. It's weird. Fair enough. I've been playing. What have you been playing? I've been playing just a bunch of Diablo because they did a big overhaul to the follower system. I've been humming and hawing. I I picked up PUBG for the first time in three years. Wow, two or three years. I played a few games. Oh, you stream? Yeah, you were streaming again. I saw you streaming Diablo. Yeah, I'm not streaming like five nights a week like I was before, and I'm trying to figure out what my second game is going to be because I don't want to be just stuck on one game. 
Um, but I would like to stream two or three nights a week, just moving forward. Just like there was a whole run of things that were happening that just kept on stopping me from being able to consistently stream. It's like hurt myself. Then I got a new job. wasn't sure what the policy on streaming was. I move. Uh, I get set up in my in my place. Something wrong with the internet. I was constantly sawtoothing on my fucking connection. Get that yeah, sorted. Yeah. My PC breaks. Then I, uh, then I have to ship a game. Uh, and then it all comes back, and I'm like, all right. And then, and then my new PC broke for a while, and then I'm like, okay, now I'm kind of set, and I'm like, maybe I can start doing stuff now. So, um, but I'm not sure what. Like, part of me wants to. So I even considered those. Like, do I play PUBG or do I play uh, something like that, like a Tarkov or whatever? And my arm injury won't let me because I'm really? playing and I'm fine. But then you tense up. And then I get shot and I jump and I wrench my arm. <laughs> oh, Jesus. And I'm like, mother... Oh, fuck. And I just like, fall <laughs> over for a few seconds. I'm like, Jesus, I forgot about that. Um, which uh, is that haptic it, feedback. That's great. I'm telling you. Like, <laughs> chugging a Red Bull. and like say, putting Vaseline on your shoulder. Yeah. <laughs> um, but like, um, there's... I really want to get into the hunt showdown. It was in early access phrases. It's fun, and it was properly released mid last year. And it was a game that I'm like, I really want to play this. If for anyone who's not seen it, it's essentially. It's the best way I can explain it. It's set in like the about 20 years after the American Civil War in the bayou in Louisiana. And the bayou is overrun with like hellhounds and zombies, and all types of fucking horror, right? Mm. It looks like a Weird West title. Yes. That is, that is yes. Or... And you and up to 1,100 people will load into a map, and you have clues that you have to find. And when you find the clues, when you find three of them, it tells you where the boss is. And you go and you fight the boss, and you kill the boss, and then you have to banish the boss because it's some form of demonic entity or similar. Like mm. one of the bosses is literally an eight foot tall spider and it is horrific looking. Um, and when you banish it, everybody on the map knows you're banishing it. And you end up in situations where like you're in the building and you've like melee killed the boss to death because you don't want to fire your gun because everybody will be able to hear it. And you finally kill the boss and then you're like, okay, and you start the banish, and then everybody figures out where you are and converges on this little kind of like farmhouse or barn out beside a fucking part of the bayou. And there's like a bit of the lake beside When, the, when you say everybody, do you mean all the monsters or do you mean every other player? Every other player. Right. And the way it works is like you have your character and you go into the game and your character will have base stats and stuff. And you can buy a, like some upgrades to equipment. And you go in and you fight your way through. And if you once you've killed the boss, they drop these tokens, and you take those tokens, and you have to go to an extraction, and you have to leave, kind of like Tarkov. Yep. But when you because it takes it doesn't like banishing isn't immediate, so you kill them, you start the banish. You have to wait for the banish to finish before you can loot them, which gives everyone time to reach you, <laughs> right? And you might if you survive, you're like cool. I got a bunch of uh, hunt books for buying more equipment. Yep. I got a bunch of XP and my guy leveled up. And as he levels up, he unlocks access to new perks. So I can sprint faster or longer, or I regen my stamina better, or 
certain boss, uh, certain enemy types don't, uh, they have a lower aggro radius or whatever it is. But if your character dies in the bayou, you have lost that character. And you have to go get a new oh. hunter and you have to go start again. Yeah. Oof. Yeah. <laughs> and <laughs> I love the aesthetic of it. So, like, visually, it's beautiful looking. Like, in terms of, like, yeah. the. I was watching a video, uh, the YouTube channel Skillup did a video on it last year where they were showing off the kind of the art style and the, the kind of a what is Hunt Showdown. And they were showing it they're like, this is Call of Duty Warzone. Reason to be quite a good looking game. And this is Hunt Show, uh, Showdown running side by side. And, like, and it makes Warzone look just like an empty room. Like there's nothing in there. Yeah, yeah. It's so detailed. There's so many little like... It's just, it's so finely crafted. Um, yeah. And it's also a game, and it's actually something that's existed for quite a while, but it's quite rare to see it being used properly, is binaural sound, binaural recording. Mm. So if you anyone who's never seen it, the binaural uh, microphone for recording is a tripod that you can set to be a specific height up to around like six and a half feet, but it's usually set around five foot 10 to six foot. And there's actually two ear-shaped Input yeah, two silicone ears. And they're spaced for the average human head. And they record proper full surround sound. So, and you've obviously and heard... Got stereo... Yeah, they've got stereo mics in it. And mm -hmm. the idea is that the shape of the ear means that if they're recording something in front or behind, the literal shape of the ear will modify the sound in a way that, it sounds that your real. brain then reinterprets it as knowing exactly what direction the sound yeah. came from. And sound is the biggest thing that you have to worry about in in, in hunt because there everything makes a sound and everything makes a different sound depending on when you kill it when you aggro it um when it aggroes something else um and to the point where like like every sound effect for the game is recorded using it and you can hear a gunshot the, the other side of the map and you'll know within maybe like 50 square meters exactly where they are and what weapon they're using. <laughs> and there's like, there is sound traps. There's areas where you're moving through and there's like a chicken coop because it's like a rural area. And if you get too close yeah. to it, the chickens just kick off. And anybody within two or 300 meters will hear you and know where you are. The most notorious one are the crows. There'll be like a murder of crows, like on the, on, just on like a path. And they're like drinking out of like a puddle of water or whatever. If you're close enough, they just take off and start cawing, and anywhere on the map you can hear it. And people will know where you are. I, They're like, bricks over there. I do that in Dead by Daylight. There's a perk you can get where it, even people creeping past crows will set them off. And I play an invisible character, and I just like wander the map. And the idea is it's obviously you're trying to chase people down and stuff like that, but having all the info, knowing where people are, and usually you know, you can set things to like see people's aura if they finish a generator or if they make a loud noise or they do this, this and this. But I can navigate completely by crows and because I'm <laughs> invisible. They, because I'm invisible, they're looking for me as well. And I, you can even put perks on where crows were never set off by you. And I can just sprint behind people. Uh, but the problem is I ranked up enough that now the guys that I'm playing against are super good. And my favorite thing recently is like pop out of invisibility, knock a dude down, put him on my shoulder, start walking towards a, a hook. And the, another character sprints to the hook I'm about to put him on and sabotages it. They just take the hook down in four seconds. And I'm standing there with a character on my shoulder now completely unable to do anything. God, you, you've absolutely beat me. Like I am, I, like the nearest hook is 
like 100 meters away. So I start walking towards that. And the, I could see the guy run to sabotage that one. I'm like, I am screwed. Dude, Jesus, <laughs> this is the best thing I've ever seen. Um, yeah, like the, 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 the hunting like sound is like all important. And I, it's, it's, exa- so like, I, I, it's exactly the type of game I would like to play. It's that mix of like horror and Tarkov and all the rest. But I know it fucking hurt my shoulder playing it more. Yeah. And there's kind of, there's kind of a there's there is an issue at matchmaking where unless you have somebody to queue with, it gets a bit kind of mad because people will join and when somebody joins, when you get paired with someone in matchmaking, they can see your equipment and they can see your level and they're like, oh you're level two and you've got like base equipment and fuck am I playing with you and they'll just they'll just yeah, leave yeah, yeah. and queue again. Um, there's also the thing of you can in theory have you can queue solo, but you could be up against squads of three. Squads two, yeah, squads yeah. three. Now apparently there's an update coming in the next few weeks that will overhaul the queue system. So maybe I'll be able to actually start playing it. But it's one of those ones I've just been watching a ton of people playing it, and it's it was always on my radar of being like, ever since it was like in early access, it was like I really want to try this game out. I really want to play it because it just has that aesthetic and everything that I I just adore. But no, it uh, it. It reminds me of all the things I love about the Far Cry games, which is just being in the jungle, skulking around, doing all that kind of stuff. So I, it is another one that, yeah, that I've been just watching. There's no way they have it playing on Mac, though, right? No, I don't think so, no. Um, no. Windows, PlayStation 4, Xbox One. Eh, maybe PS4 then for me. The... Um, no. Yeah, there, 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 there is no Mac symbol on the store page. Um. So yeah, that's kind of that. That's the like. Oh, the other game I was playing a bunch of was Dorf Romantic. So I don't know this one. It's an indie game. It is pitched, and from all appearances, would you would? I would not blame you if you believed that this was a calm, relaxing game. (laughs) (laughs) It's, It's a um, and it would be for most people. But not for me. It's a. Uh, it, it's it's. You romance the ocean. What's the? No 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 no. So uh, you've played Carcassonne, the board game. Yes. Where you have the tiles, yes. the square tiles, and you must match up the edges and so on. So it's that, but with hexes, and it's single player. And some of the hexes you'll pull out, and it'll say, um, it'll have like the fields on it, and then it'll have a field icon floating above it, and it'll have six plus. So as long as I join six other field tiles directly to that tile or through chaining them, yeah, yeah. then that completes, I get some points and I gain more tiles to my stack because I have my stack of tiles that I'm going down through. And is it just infinite? Uh, no, because if you, if you, you can run out of tiles. I see. So myself and a man of mine started playing this. Um, it was in the, in the Steam Indie Showcase a few months back. The demo was there. But you can only play to about 700 points. Started playing it. Both of us were like, yeah, we're going to get, get this when it comes out. He started playing it when uh, uh, the day of release. And immediately it became a competitive thing of who could get the highest score. <laughs> and I was like, I'm on like 9,000. And then my mate, she drops a score of like 10 and a half. And I'm like, fuck you. And I spent, I lost like 12 hours on a Saturday. I, went, I sat down to play it for an hour. <laughs> and I lost 12 hours. It was a Sunday, actually. Played through it a bunch. And then I'm like, right. And I went back and I just, <laughs> into the group chat, I just dropped the high score. And the high score I th- like I got was like 12,000 and something. 
And all I just get is a, no. Thing, and I'm like, cool. And then, but like a lot of my mates saw me playing this because we were just sitting and shooting the shit on Discord. And they were like, share the screen there. And they're watching it. And they're like, yeah, this seems really chill. And then the next day, I look at the Discord. And there's two of my mates who live together. And he's on mute because he's playing the game. And he's effing and blinding. And I can hear him through her headset. Because <laughs> all the other is like, yeah, fucking railroad. Fucking river prick you. Yeah. Where the fuck am I meant to put that? It's just like, yep, that's in the back. It, do, it does look very cute and like it's the style is supposed to be relaxing, and I can absolutely see myself just now it's, staring it's, there at it. There is an endless mode coming, and it is a great game, and I think it's like eight euro. So mm. I would highly recommend it. Um like I've I think I've put twenty something errors into it. It's I love city builder games like that or like world builder games and the fact mm. that they have the little scoring system in it and i'm like yeah it's great it's a it, it 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 has a chronic case of just a few more tiles just a few more tiles and, and yeah, you still yeah. keep going so would definitely recommend i'll check it out i like it i don't think i have anything else major new that i was been watching or following or anything no nothing crazy if anyone has any other streaming services for me now that I've watched everything, shout them out. Um, yeah, I'm. And yeah, if my shoulder gets sorted soon, or they fix the the queuing in the hunt, you might see me streaming that quite a bit. Or you, or you buy like a, a racing harness to keep you steady in the chair. Yeah, so I can't can. jump. I'm just this like <laughs> mechanical thing, and I'm like. It's a, yeah, you, I love the idea that you're streaming and you start by putting down a roller coaster bar every single time. Yeah. <laughs> They're like, okay, let's do it. I, I, I just need a replacement like Bucky. I'll be the winter snowman. <laughs> <laughs> uh, on that note, cheers, everybody. Thank you, guys. <laughs>